Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio in the American Theater Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. Today, court is in session. We are on jury duty with two of the best-known jurors in the world, juror number three and juror number eight, <laughs> respectively Philip Bosco, who plays juror number three in 12 Angry Men. The ugly. <laughs> well, easy for you to say. <laughs> and Boyd Gaines, juror number eight. Again, in 12 Angry Men, currently running on Broadway here in New York. And it's the famous Reginald Rose movie script that has been turned for the first time ever, I guess, into a Broadway show. Yes. And it's gotten rave reviews. Well, it's, much so. it's a remarkable story because it, so many people out there know 12 Angry Men, which mm-hmm. has been around since the early 50s. But this is, in fact, the first time the Reginald Rose script is on Broadway. Right. Can Indeed. either of you talk about the history of how that came to be? And, and Because, in fact, I can say I played juror number three in high school. Exactly. You did? I did. Oh, Nowhere is near with your, with, with your yes. skill. And, 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 and as but, would say, the, the ugly one you played. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and nobody saw the performance. <laughs> but, but it is an interesting story. So, so can you tell us about, about this version? Well, uh, they talked a good deal about it in the early days. Apparently, it started out as a teleplay, right? That's right. Boyd? 54. 54, yeah. And Sidney Lumet had directed it. I can't remember who the I don't think he was. directed the teleplay. I, I, no? I, I don't think so. It was done for Studio One, uh, and it was an hour version. I, I think he had actually written a 90-minute screenplay, but they only they did an hour version of that. Oh. Uh, and then Henry Fonda bought the rights to it. Uh, to do the movie, and he hired Sidney Lumet for the film. Yes. I don't think I don't think he. I'm not sure who directed. Well, I thought it was the, the TV. Same, it might be. It maybe matter. it was. In any event, Sid, then was. Sidney, of course, did the movie. Yeah. And, and the movie we, version, Lee J. Cobb played Juror Three, Jewish your role, right, Phil, yes. and, and Henry Fonda himself Fonda played Juror Eight, right. your role, Boy. That's right. So, so we can all identify with the yes, movie version exactly. if you haven't seen the, the, the stage show. And a wonderful cast in the film. Yo, great cast. Yeah, they were, and they were all working New York actors who, almost to a man, became. You know, working film actors as well. I don't Indeed. know. I think I think this, the movie launched a lot of their careers, didn't it? Well, if it didn't, it, it should have. Because <laughs> yeah, it certainly uh, helped them. Our cast is equally as good, of course. We <laughs> I think don't mean so. to suggest that we're second class to that. Well, some little names, have a little names in the movie like Martin Balsam, E. G. Right. Marshall, Jack Klugman, Jack West. Talia Balsam and her mother were That's at right. the play this afternoon. Oh, for heaven's sake! Really? Yes. Wow. And what's hilarious is that. Uh, or at least interesting, is that uh, Talia Balsam is married to a wonderful actor, John uh, Slattery. And mm. the character of the, who, uh, of the foreman that, that Martin Balsam played has a speech in which he tells Juror 8, my character, oh, you, a, a, a story about coaching this football player, this wonderful ox of a guy named Slattery. <laughs> so, so footnote to nothing. <laughs> but what happened is, obviously, the television version had been such a success. The film was such a success. That's right. But it was not adapted directly for the stage. And, in fact, the version that was out there for literally decades was an adaptation That's of the right. film script that mm-hmm. was licensed primarily exactly to right. community theaters That's and right. high Precisely. schools and, and so I think on. a few regional theaters. But, uh, uh, in fact, I remember as a kid seeing uh, posters for 12 Angry Persons or 12 <laughs> Angry Women. 
Uh, it's been done in a lot of guises. Well, the, the, the whole the whole play is, by today's standards, so archaic that you would have 12 white men, no women, Indeed. no other That's races right. represented. It, we were, that was one of the first questions we asked, of course, Indeed, was right. why are there 12 white guys I- in this room? And in 54, which is where we've set this production, where Scott Ellis set it, uh, apparently you had almost a 90% chance in New York City of serving on an all-male jury. Wow. White. Uh, all all yeah, white exactly. male So it's historically correct. Now, yes. Reginald Rose adapted did, with some minor tweaks. It was adapted again as a television film. Showtime did it. That's yeah. Right. About he updated it in 96, 97 and did integrate the jury That's, for yes. that production. That's right. Not successfully, apparently. Because the play doesn't play doesn't warrant that kind of change. Mm-hmm. I mean, it changes the dynamics so enormously. You couldn't have the bigot, for example, mm-hmm. well, uh, updated version. I think he was, he was that, that character. Made, Juror 10 was played I, I by a black man. By a black man, and they yeah. made him Nation of Islam, I think. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was. And it, it would change the whole feel it, of it the show. Change it did change the whole feel. Well, 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 I haven't seen it, though. Well, the, the, it, the, uh, the, the feel of the show is so wonderfully mid 50s, 1954, yeah, even indeed. to the extent of no air conditioning. Right. And you get the sense, seeing you guys on stage, that it's a hot summer day. It is. You just want to get out of that jury room indeed. and go home and see indeed. the ball game. My, my mother in law asked. After she'd come to the show, and she said, "How do they get it so hot on stage?" Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was rather cold in the audience. You know, she saw the sweat coming off your brow. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Good but acting. in fact, this version was engendered, interestingly enough, by a major theatrical name, namely Harold Pinter. Indeed, That's correct. Um, can we either of you t- tell us about that? Well, we were told in rehearsal that uh, Mr. Ro- well, Mrs. Rose uh, attended a good number of the rehearsals. Uh, he, uh, Reginald, had died. Two years? About two years ago. Two, two years ago, mm-hmm. yeah. In any event, the story that uh, we were told is that uh, he had contacted Mr. Rose or I think so. He, he wanted to do the he production. He being Pinter, yeah. yeah. And they went back to the film script and the teleplay and cobbled. And uh, Rose was still alive at that. Oh, oh yes. Wow. Yes. Oh, yes. That yes. was 15. Was about 96? Yeah, about yeah. 96. Quite, over a, quite a ways back. And uh, then I, I, we were probably reading something into this. But I think they collaborated uh, on it, didn't they? Well, they clearly did because remember those – Scott, our director, uh, who's great about doing research, uh, gave us uh, a lot of uh, letters. That's right. Letters and yeah. forms. Uh, they, uh, correspondence between Reginald Rose and either the producers or assistants who were working with Harold Pinter in London at the time. That was how I we, – that's how we knew about uh, yes. about the, the percentage of uh, women on – Juries and uh, uh, there was quite a there were quite a number of questions about the geography of the play and the L train and uh, and uh, and it sends the reason I would think that uh, as successful as uh, Reginald Rose's uh, movie and probably uh, other productions that we hadn't heard about uh, Harold Pinter being a very famous playwright as well as a director must have had some influence on I think so changing it's, dialogue it's, or uh, moments of what I don't. Uh, I've never seen the uh, I've seen the film a long time ago, but I'd never seen a stage production of the. And it was adapted by a third part. A third party. Yeah. I don't know who. I don't even Sergal remember. Circle. Circle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's three acts, isn't it? I yeah. mean, we're of course doing it as a and long one act. act. Right. Uh, Not a very good adaptation, apparently. Apparently, yes. Now, now, boy, you were just an, an infant when the television version. Later I was born in '53. So, and the, yeah. the TV version was a year later. You probably didn't see it. But I didn't see it. No, but was, I did see it. But the, Phil, how about you? Did, did you see the television version? Yes. Oh mean? no, no. I beg your pardon. I didn't. know. Yeah. I, I was not an infant. I was no, 24. no. You were not an infant. You were, you were fully grown. Yeah, I was. Yeah. But uh, you, well, no. not 
psycho- psychologically, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but you, physically. You, no, I, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't seen the t- television version. But you've both seen the, the film version. Oh my heavens, yes. Recently, yeah, the, 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 getting ready no, well, for the show, or did you avoid that purposely? Well, many of I. The, I don't remember having seen it recently. Uh-huh. Uh, that that is readily. Uh, uh, that I can recall. So right. we talked about it though in rehearsal. And those of us who did have, I, I think many of us may have the VHS or the, mm-hmm. the DVD right. now, um, deliberately didn't see it. Yeah. We didn't want to get so acclimated to the to Or the to film. be influenced. Yeah, yeah exactly. By the film so, so, you know, it's a very persuasive film. It is and, very much And so. a wonderful group of actors. And you don't, want, you, don't want to, you don't want to have it in your head. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Now, you just started teasing Philip. Me? And I have to ask, what is it having 12 guys in a room for certainly four weeks of rehearsal constantly put into conflict with each other? What was was going on as you were rehearsing this? Well, this is going to sound kind of Pollyannish, I'm afraid. Oh, I was afraid. It is the (laughs) truth. We, 12 or 13 or 16. Right, uh, with the understudies. With the understudies. Are the most happy group. It's, in mm-hmm. in New York, in uh, in the theater. I mean, we are just having a ball. Everyone gets along swimmingly. I can't tell you. We all feel great about each other. We're having great fun. The production, the director was couldn't be nicer. No, he gave us free reign to do pretty much whatever we wanted. And he sat and picked and chose and yeah. everybody. We we all you you pick it up from there. It's well, just, uh, I, I think it, it's a it's it, it was a fun room. It was a really fun room. Uh, Scott started it off with a, in a kind of jocular way. We worked very hard, but we also kidded around a lot, and I think, and we all give each other a terrible time. And if you make a mistake out on stage, <laughs> well, is it you'll a locker be sure room? To hear, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We got to understand is well, we every every performance. There's 13 guys lined up to go on stage. <laughs> And, you know, it's, you have to concentrate. You really have to pull yourself away you because do, there's yeah. such silliness and going of course, on. And, of course, the two of you are in the adversarial roles. Oh, Juror yes, number eight yes, is exactly. the guy who kind of the good not, guy. but isn't sure he wants to equip. He kind of thinks he does. And your character, Phil, juror number three, is the guy who's steadfast in his opinion, this guy's guilty. Absolutely. Yeah. And He's you, not the worst in the cast, though. No, no, number no, no, 10. No. Oh, ten. Really? Yeah, the, by yeah. far. The outright right. bigot. But, 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 but your character's the holdout. Yeah, indeed. yes. He's the, he's the. Uh, I'm my character is the only character who never changes his mind, mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know, or doesn't flip completely. And Phil's is the the, la- the last one to do so. Right. So, you, but you, on stage, you have a great adversarial relationship with one another. So it's interesting to hear you talk about it's fun off stage or during rehearsals. Well, it's I'd, fun on stage. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, when it's working, it's really a wonder. When you get to play movie. with someone as accomplished <clears throat> with, as we, Phil is, well, you this, just have a great time. This cast, though, really is superb. It truly is. It's not only because the guys are nice in and of themselves, you know, nice people. But they're, they're terribly well chosen and very uh, very bright for the parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, the understudies have been remarkable as well. Yeah, they've been un- and unbelievably well prepared. Now we have, what is it, four understudies who have three characters each? Uh, yes, and Guy, because he covers That's Matt, right. he has four. Yeah. So the 13th. And yeah. they've all there, gone there, on. Yeah, there is a 13th person, the uh, bailiff, the, I guess. He the has. guard, yeah. The guard. Yeah, the guard. Yeah, the guard. Pro jurors and the guard. But right. it's, a, it's a pretty important role. He sets the, the tone in the beginning. Yeah. He kind of sets the chairs. And right. people have told me that, that he did very well. You know, there's something about the way he does it. He's, he's well, uh, yeah. He's, for uh, those who haven't seen it, the very first thing you see on stage is this fellow, the guard, walks right. out. Indeed. And very 
slowly and takes his time, opens windows, moves Indeed. things around, yeah. gets the room ready for the jurors. So the first minute or so is just stage business without yeah. a word being spoken. Yeah, but it sets the scene very it well. Really does. And it then does. the really first does. words are, in fact, spoken by someone who's not actually with you every night. That's um, The voice of the judge. That's and, right. Yeah. And because he's actually over in another theater doing his own show. That's right. It's Robert, Robert, Robert Prosky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who, who's, I think, wonderful on the... Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Right. I mean, just because we have to listen to it every night, it's, right. I, mean, I feel like it could be much worse than... <laughs> well, what it is... Grateful to have such a good actor. What it is, it's, it's the voice of the judge in the courtroom, which it's is the, off stage, which we don't see. That's right. It's you the end of the instructions voice. to right. the jurors. Right, and then you guys all walk in one by one and, that's and, right. and sit down. The, now, the, the, the setting is so institutional, so New York City old courtroom, even in 1954 it would have been an old courtroom Indeed. when the, when the yeah. show was set. Uh, Alan Moyer, who did the set, Is he uh, the set the yeah, remember the, uh, they're still, I think they're still posted up backstage. Uh, ah, yes. The, the fo- if you see the photos, that they went down to jury, uh, to juror room, jury rooms, and uh, and took pictures, and that's what our set looks like. They're, the rooms haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then there's one delicious device that the whole audience gasps. It's it's a it's a it's the jury room setting. And at one point, somebody has to go to the bathroom. And rather mm-hmm. seeing than seeing him walk off stage, the stage shifts from stage right over to stage left, and suddenly we are revealed. The bathroom slides on stage. Everybody goes, it's oh, wow, that is so yeah. wonderful. Oh, it's a beautiful what a great effect. device. Yeah. Yeah. Marvelous yeah. effect. Yeah. 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 It happens twice or three times? Uh, twice. Just twice. Yeah. twice. Yeah. 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 The, the two bathroom yeah. scenes. Often yeah. the bathroom is a sort of an open cubicle that's uh, – I've seen you know, a, a couple of pictures of uh, other productions. Right. And right. usually it's on stage. So and only once uh, since did it we break down. Did it break down. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, well, it has. Uh, it's on these uh, tremendous. It's on, the whole platform moves, Cash of course, yeah. Yeah. and it's on about seven rails. And right. uh, the machine that operates it is just under the stage, and it's operated, you know, mechanically, electronically, with a button and all. But it didn't work this one afternoon, <laughs> so we had to play it outside the door. So what? Right. What did he? It was fine. It was no problem. It was at all. actually. Yeah. It, was, it worked surprisingly well. well. And we. Yeah. we uh, we, I had friends, or somebody had friends, and we asked them. No, we had a talk back that day, and we asked them. Oh, that's right, yeah. We asked them if they, they didn't notice any. They, you know, they, were, they didn't miss it, obviously, because they hadn't and seen it. And then the producer thinks to himself, gee, I could have saved all that money. <laughs> <laughs> that big it, and I think it could indeed it is the single most expensive part <laughs> oh, of the yeah. production is the, is the machinery for that slipstick. <laughs> Sorry to say, but, but it's, it's good. When you got into this show, it was interesting, as, as people wrote early on about the show, was people speak of it as being revived because they know the material so well. We're now in an era where television is is overrun by crime procedural shows. Right. We have had, of course, the wonderful Law and Order for 15-some-odd years looking really at nuts and bolts. We, of course, have so much forensic science. Right. Last year, there was a short-lived series on Fox called The Jury, which right. essentially yes. was doing using the same formula of a 12 Angry Men every week with a different set of jurors and a different case and, and what the dynamics would be. I think Maddie, who plays our guard, uh, uh, was in. I think he was a guest, did a guest shot on yeah, it. Yeah, I think. So when you launch into this thing, which is the grandfather in many ways yeah. of, of so much of this stuff, how much did that play in? Was that something that you were aware of, that you discussed, or was it totally – Let's just do this piece. Uh, well, I don't know about the the, the, the that was on Fox. Did you say the jury? Yeah. I don't know whether that came into play or not. But uh, we did a collective interview uh, about the numbers 
Uh, for uh, the Times, yeah. Was it for the Times? Yeah, but from the the legal the, writer for the Times. That's right. The yeah, aggregate nice uh, uh, cast and, and how many of us appeared uh, on uh, Law and Order or, you know, mm-hmm. the spinoffs. And it turned out to be 55 times. Wow. Yeah. All of us. All, every every single actor had been on at least once. Now, you, of course, uh, Phil, play a what? judge. Yeah, I've been, uh, I think I've been on it 11 times 11 so times. far. And I had two coming up. Is, oh, is that right? It's on, yeah, on uh, Special Victim. Special SVU. Yeah, right, right. yeah, Judge Terhune, I think it's my name. Right. So, so how does it feel having been a judge on TV? Now you're just a juror. <laughs> well, there are good things about both. I always like to be a judge on television because you have the script right in front of you all the uh, time. <laughs> really? I shouldn't even so say that. You don't have to learn any lines. Well, you learn them, but at least... <laughs> but you can cheat if you You can to. cheat a little bit yeah. and say, as a matter of fact... <laughs> <laughs> yes. And how about you, boy, down Law and Order? What, what did you do? Uh, I've done four episodes. I've always played a lawyer. Uh, the first three I did, uh, uh, generally I'm a, a crooked lawyer who somehow <laughs> is woven into the plot. But the last time I actually got to defend someone, uh, and so there's a possibility that I could I could recur, you know, as, as Phil has done with this judge and, and another lawyer. Oh, you? I played a lot of crooked lawyers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, <laughs> now, now, both of you are currently playing jurors. You've both played either a lawyer or a judge, or a right. judge has to be a lawyer, obviously. Mm-hmm. In real life, have either of you been on jury duty? Actually, we've talked about this before. I was never actually a juror. I was called uh-huh. because almost always previously I had gotten out of them. I'd been asked to, to appear. Shows. Yeah, doing shows. It must have been half a dozen or eight or maybe 10, 12 times. Uh-huh. I always got out, but then they, in, I live in Jersey, and they must have instituted a new rule doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. You have to show up. And I did, 8 o'clock in the morning. I did all the, But I sat in the room where, where all of the jurors are picked from, right. mm-hmm. whatever that's called. The jury pool. Is I that guess. it? The jury pool. And I wasn't chosen. So they sent me home at noon. Mm-hmm. And I felt kind of disappointed <laughs> to having you had yes. to get up at 6.30 yeah. to get there. You know, and also at least use me. Kind of the feeling of like, what's wrong with me? They didn't yeah, choose right. me. <laughs> uh, I've heard, uh, I don't know that it's true, uh, and just to... An interesting side note is that Robert Glohesi, who plays juror number six, was out for the matinee today because he was jury ser- duty. on jury duty. <laughs> so there is a column item at least. There is yeah, exactly. He, yes. Uh, so now, uh, now, in the future, if either of you were to be called, what do you think this the impact of this role would have? If you said, "Look, I played a juror on Broadway for six months," I might not be able to be honest. That's interesting. I, that? I wonder if you if you actually spoke like that to the yeah. judge, whether they would, uh, well, or whoever makes a determination, uh, they might not want you on the jury. Bob told me that the he, it's in a civil case, and the the lawyer for the defendant had actually seen him do the show, so uh, <laughs> go figure. Kind of, kind of like juror number six's attitude. <laughs> well, conversely, I'm wondering what you hear from lawyers. I, I learned an interesting fact about 12 Angry Men, which is that, in fact, it is used often in law schools. However, not because of any legal theory whatsoever that it's this fascinating study in group dynamics and is often used just for the study of understanding how people interact. What have you heard from what conversations from lawyers? Because they do turn out in record numbers for this play when it's done. Well, I have have seven children, uh, four girls and three boys. Two of my daughters are lawyers. Mm. And uh, one, my oldest daughter, uh, doesn't practice uh, anymore. Now she's raising two children. But she was, intends to go back. Uh, but my youngest daughter is uh, is a really good, fierce lawyer uh, out of New York. She has a, a good uh, What kind of law position. does she practice? 
Well, the law she practices isn't the kind of law she would prefer, but it's it's a kind of a lot of labor and mm-hmm. uh, political kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very highly uh, uh, democratic. They handle the democratic uh, party uh, business in the state and all. Right. Genova Burns and something else. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of it. Um, I forgot my point. But she. But, but what was her oh, reaction? reaction? She she loved she loved it. She thought it was uh, very accurate and. Uh, she had a, a grand time, but she pointed out, as did somebody else, I, I can't remember mm-hmm. whether it was during the rehearsal or so, some lawyers said they marvelous things about it. Was this a general note? or I'm, I, I, I can't know. remember now. But someone said it was very accurate in almost every respect except it's almost unheard of. Oh, I know, yes. Who was that? Uh, it's actually was, it, it was in one of the pamphlets that we got from oh, was Scott. That what it was? Is that it was it's all or maybe it was that no it was that book uh, trial by Jury. Ah, yes that's right we uh, we were given this it's a wonderful book and i can't remember the author's I name can't it was uh, from a trial in new york city in 2002 uh, uh, the book is called trial by jury and it and it's the foreman of a jury's diary from the trial through uh, uh, through the deliberations, and and there were actually a surprising number of parallels but i think within that he said that it's very rare for uh, a person to be uh, for one person to sway the other eleven. Right. Generally speaking, majority wins mm-hmm. most of the time. Very, very. But rare it makes for, for good drama, yeah, obviously, because drama. it's it is it does happen rarely, but it does happen. And in this case, of course, the way the show starts, it's eleven to one in favor of conviction. Indeed. Right? And by the end of the show, that has all changed. Indeed, so yeah. that is highly unusual. What, that all what, eleven are going what to change. What speaks well of the play is that so many people have seen the movie. So uh, and uh, uh, we do, uh, you know hear from a number of people who say, I've never seen the movie, I didn't know what to play, I didn't know what to expect, I just knew it was about a jury. But a lot of people come in having seen the, the movie and are, they say, I still got so caught up. I well, it's like I more in order reruns. <laughs> you just, exactly. If it's a story well told, you go with the story. There's something uh, about the genius of live theater. I think that, that, yeah. that suggests uh, the fact that you cannot duplicate that experience on television or on, mm, you know, on no. film. You just can't do it. I mean, there are great movies. We all adore some of them I mean, and great television shows. But they, you can't duplicate anything like that live. These people are in the same room with us, as it were. And it's been pointed out to us, uh, uh, I, and I think wisely, is that uh, people come in and say, us, I, that they, having seen the movie, you realize, that, I mean, Sidney Lumet is a brilliant mm-hmm. filmmaker, and obviously the story that is told is the story he has chosen to tell. You see what he wants you to see. But obviously now Scott has directed the show, I think, uh, and focused it incredibly well. But nonetheless, Indeed, very much. the audience picks and chooses – the story that they want to see, and they see, you know, uh, 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 a larger scope, I think. What's interesting also is that you and several of the other jurors play a good deal of the show with your back to the audience. We, on the other side of the fourth wall, are looking at the jury table horizontally across the stage with Phil, your side of the table, facing the audience, and Boyd, your side, facing away from us. Yet the way that Scott Ellis has blocked it, you never really miss your face. No. When, when you have to deliver a line, somehow you manage to cheat toward the audience and we get to see you. There's one or two, I guess, speeches where they're made purposely with the actors back that's, to the audience, which is quite interesting. That's yeah. correct. Now, there was an interesting uh, comment made uh, during the discussion about the Harold Pinter collaboration with Reginald Rose. Didn't uh, Harold Pinter uh, use a different three format? Tables. Yeah, three he tables. Used three tables in a U-shape and a, like, and a, like a Forum, but Pretty this much is the way it's done in England. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, right, yes. Uh, but of course, 
this production does it as it's done in New York City. Uh, and actually, we actually love it. I, I, oh, we love it. It's, it's on a, a bit of an angle. It's, it's a, diagonal it, down. Yeah, yeah. A slight angle. And yeah. That, That's yeah, right. Well, it's a, a larger angle than you would think. Then you might see if you were out yeah. there. You'd see it's, it, yeah. it's quite, quite, quite a good, good angle. Which and I guess it, is what I think makes a great deal cheap. of difference. It, it, it does. It gives you yeah, yeah, uh, yeah one yeah. extreme or the other. Yeah, it's uh, great. There's one thing that uh, you, know, you were asking earlier about uh, – this group of actors, and uh, I, I had a my best friend from high school came up from Atlanta uh, over the weekend, and we had a his daughter's uh, high school drama class came to the show, and then we had a talk back afterwards, and he noted something that kept coming up, uh, and that was he said, "What does it mean when the actors say actors are uh, are generous? What does a generous actor mean?" And I, it's a good question. What it really means is that. This group of actors is an incredibly generous group because mm-hmm. they're always watching out for the other actor, to making sure that their part of the not only their their own part of the mm-hmm. story is told, but their fellow actors' part of the story is told. And I think one of the things that other actors who have come to see our show have commented on is how how generously everyone gives focus to each other, and that's by movement and it's by blocking and it's I mean it's by design, but a lot of it is just the fact that the other actor goes, you know, if I just got a little farther down stage of you, I'll <laughs> teach your face around and the audience <laughs> will see you make this speech. And it's particularly meaningful because we do, we were given permission by the director, and wisely so, we all think in retrospect, to do what you want. I mean, mm. don't be guided only by the text. Mm-hmm. When there are reactions and whatnot, you, you can voice them. And he said, do what you feel is right. And we all pretty much have done, not only uh, in expressing those kinds of uh, ad libs, uh, uh, right. for want of a better word, but also movement. And he's, yeah. he picked and chose, you know, and, uh, yeah. and, and has orchestrated. It. Yeah. yeah, so all of us who do uh-huh. ad lib, and I do a good deal of it. We're very conscious of not stepping on anybody's, you know, ad lib, but make sure that it doesn't interfere. Right. And all of us are, are pretty much uh, agreeable. He, he let us also uh, overlap a lot of dialogue so that in the – if you're doing a language play, you know, the, the normal course is your line, my line, your line, my line. One person uh, finishes speaking. That's right. And, the, and, and indeed, even though they may be very closely followed, right. picking up your cues, it's right. called – in this play, we've been allowed to, uh, for the most part, speak when the impetus comes, just like we do in an actual conversation mm-hmm. where we do tend to overlap. We come in on a, uh, uh, following an operative word. Right. Of course, that's how people speak in real life. Exactly. You like know, we're and, doing right and, now. Exactly. And Robert Oldman <laughs> does in film. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Now, Phil, watching you up on stage as a crusty juror sticking to his guns, watching you on Law and & Order and many other productions... I try to visualize you in one of your earliest roles, as I understand it, a non-speaking part, playing a cat chasing its tail <laughs> and stealing the show. What was that all about? I'm not sure whether it was a speaking part or not. Yeah. But I did steal the show. But you, you could give the, the costume were, credit for you that. You were in what, junior high school or something? I would, no, I, I was in, in uh, gra- grade school. Grade school. Grade yeah. school. Uh, I was going to say this. We're going way back is, here. Way back. Oh, way back. Oh, I'm glad. It was a long time ago, Phil. <laughs> I was, was thinking maybe in Cats. <laughs> it was in Jersey yeah, City, exactly. but it wasn't. I, I went to parochial uh, grammar uh, school, St. John's in Jersey City. And, and uh, in the eighth grade, they do an annual show. You know, they're always doing some kind of show. And they did this thing called the Fairy Cobbler. I have no idea whether it's a written play or whether she concocted it, the nun who did uh-huh. it. And she cast me as Machiavelli the Cat. And yeah. uh, the costume was an ordinary black cat costume, but they had some device where they had this huge tail. 
And I've just walked away with the show, as you might imagine. <laughs> and, and most kids dream about running away with the circus. You actually ran away with the carnival. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, my father, you that was my carnival. father's business. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, well, I grew up in the carnival business. It's, it's really extraordinary. Philip, I was literally just counting. I had some material here. I count roughly 50 Broadway shows mm-hmm. over Great. 45 years. Well, you, with I, a Tony nomination in your very first show, yeah, a show right. that I don't think anyone's familiar with anymore, no. called The Rape of the Belt. That's right. 1960, I think it was. And almost entirely plays, though it's worth noting that your second Broadway show was was a little remembered musical called Donnybrook. And of course, you are going to be leaving 12 Angry Men after this weekend yes. and going into Chitty Chitty Bang. That's right. Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang playing the grandpa. Grandpa Potts. Uh, I think that's his name. <laughs> but with, with only a few musicals mixed in, a three-penny opera production at one point. I replaced Raul. Raul Julia. That's right. At the Lincoln Center. Right. Um, Kevin Klein was my understudy. That's right. Yes, right. So, do we ask why only uh, the scattered musical? Uh, over the a, a, very, a very fundamental and simple reason. I haven't got a trained voice. I'm not a trained singer, and I've always shied away from it. I, I, I must correct the fact I, I was in a musical, uh, Donnybrook, uh, which was the the stage version of um, the Quiet Man. The Quiet Man, which is yeah. a wonderful movie, and I played the only non-singing, non-dancing part <laughs> in the <laughs> show. <laughs> blessedly, you know. Uh, it was a, it's a much better musical than than the, its its the actual fate. John Johnny Burke Johnny Burke, Johnny Burke yeah. did the music and the lyrics, and it was the last thing he ever wrote. And it was a much much better musical. I've always been astonished that it hasn't been uh, re, re, redone or re, in fact we talked about it the encore series. You right, know, at mm-hmm. City Center. We yeah. had Jack Vertel with us last week. Did we you? didn't bring up Donny Brook. They should have. It's a wonderful musical. So speaking of musicals, Boyd, I was looking at. Of course, your Broadway credits, and first and foremost, I think a people now think of, of you, but people struck me, and it struck me also in relation to a lot of the work Philip has done over the years. All of your Broadway credits, save one, were for not for profit theater companies. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, they're all from. And, and indeed, the only Heidi, one I did that I didn't Heidi Chronicles started off Broadway. Oh, at Playwrights Horizons. Playwrights Horizons. Uh, yes, in fact, uh, the only show I did that I've done that was in, in a commercial run that I joined was Cabaret. And of course, that was from the Roundabout as well. So it was an institutional theater production. You, you've both got a lot of experience with Roundabout. With Lincoln. Oh, you've been heaven. at Lincoln Center Theater recently. Philip, you were with the repertory company there my years ago. My first yes. equity job was at the Roundabout. And right. production of A Month in the Country with Boyd, Phil. Boyd and I were together in yeah. that show with oh, uh, Tammy Grimes yeah. and uh, Amanda Plummer, Amanda Plummer Farley Granger. Farley Granger. Yeah. So what have those companies afforded you as actors? Because oh. clearly you return to them again and again. Yeah. Life's blood. I mean, uh, I, I did uh, – I, most of my career was in not-for-profit theater. It, it's only fair to say that uh, you mentioned 50 Broadway shows. You know – Strictly speaking, they're not Broadway shows in the sense that they weren't uh, They were produced. institutional. They were yeah, institutional. Almost all of them except, I don't know, maybe ten. I guess I'm not even sure how many were not institutional. But all of them were either at Circle in the Square, the Roundabout, in all of its manifestations except uh, the most recent, uh, the right. one on uh, Criterion. The Criterion, yeah. yeah. I, I hadn't worked in that, yeah, I in did that do one. A few and uh, Lincoln Center. Right. I was at seven years Lincoln Center and then up at the Stratford Festival in Connecticut for four years. I was at Arena Stage in Washington for three years, so I, I, I've done most of that kind. Of, that's that's the lifeblood for an actor. I, I would say that the, the, all the guys in this show are, are from the institutional Indeed. theater. That's, that's where, where most that's where theaters are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sad to say, but the non-musical theater on Broadway, as we, if you exclude all the others, is virtually gone. Yeah, it's 
a few it's, a year, whereas, you know, look look even 10 or 15 years ago, there was at least twice as much. That's right. Nine, what do you do, six, eight a year? And right. most of them come, are, are imports. Well, look at, I remember when Joe Papp uh, protested the closing of the Helen Hayes yes. in Morasco, which was replaced by the Marriott Marquis, right? Yeah. The, yep. The yes. Portman. The old Helen Hayes. There's been a the That's right. Yeah, there was the little theater. Helen, was, right. Yeah. The and the Morasco is a beautiful. But place. oh, well, between those two theaters, there were more Pulitzer Prize-winning plays in those two theaters than all the other uh, playhouses combined. So beautifully located. Yeah, uh, but you know, they were replaced by a big musical house, and that is the that's been the going trend, especially with the theme park musicals. Indeed, and yet the show you're in now which is a straight dramatic show, yeah. is one of the big hits of the current season on Broadway. Go figure. You yeah, know, it goes to show it's a, a good tale well told, I think. But it's yeah. sad to say that it probably oh, couldn't have been sad. done uh, strictly commercially because it would have been too expensive. Mm-hmm. And they, they as, as I understand it from uh, the powers that be, I, I won't mention any names, but they said it's almost impossible to make money in a non-musical show on Broadway anymore. Well, what, what's the difference then in cost? In other words, you say doing it with the roundabout, well, doing the, it... Well, I think that's one of the reasons you see two-handers, three-handers, four-handers on single sets because you're keeping the production costs, you know, down as much as possible. But even then, it's it's an iffy proposition. But the the, but the you know the the strange thing to me is that musicals cost so much money to do. You've got enormous numbers of people and crew. Cast members, scenery, musicians. musicians. Yeah. But they run forever. Well, to sort of answer well, not, Tom's not all question, of them do. Well, some of them don't, lose an but, enormous yeah, amount sure. of money. The up, but the upside of a musical it's is enormous. enormous. In the case of, I think, what the institutional theaters bring is you're not starting your ticket sales from zero. That's mm-hmm. right. Because whether you're at Roundabout yeah. or Lincoln Center or Manhattan Theater Club – or any of, for that matter, the off-Broadway companies that do this work, there's a certain level of ticket sales that is guaranteed because of the subscription base. And you have people who are committed to seeing the work of that company. When you get a show like 12 Angry Men, it had a foundation to start from. The extraordinary response, the quality of the production, the appeal of the material is what's lifted it to the next level. Well, we're, we're kind of puzzled by it, uh, most of us in the show, and I'm sure the producer, I know Todd comes around quite often with this marvelous look on his face, <laughs> saying we're selling out. We, you know, everybody's wondering, how did it catch fire? We, we all thought that it was a decent show when we were doing we it. We did. We, we were having such a good time in rehearsal, but uh, often as much superstition kicks in and you think, we're having way too much fun. Yeah, this is going to be, exactly. this is going to take a big nosedive. <laughs> uh, so, but I... I mean, I think there were a number of factors why. Part of it, you know, we started previews right before the elections. Uh, I think, you know, we live in a blue state. If uh, uh-huh. uh, and, and I think that the, the play deals with certain things that came up in the election. I think perhaps the, the, the virtue of doubt versus absolute moral certainty. Uh, and... Uh, that turns out to be not necessarily right. I think there. I think that was some of the response. I think people have been. Uh, it's a play about n- not a civic duty, and it's finally a play about uh, about mercy. You see, the, the the two of you are at a disadvantage because you don't get to see in the ha- sit in the house and watch <laughs> what's going on on stage and get involved in the story. Yeah. I think not having intermission works very much oh, in I couldn't favor agree with of the play. Uh, Ellen Rose told us that it's the only production. A stage production that she knows of that's done has been done without an intermission. But it seems yeah. when you see it, doesn't it seem like oh, absolutely right. natural? Yeah. Too. Yet in, and, and in fact, the construction of it in in other productions have always been 
that you literally repeat the that, final line of the previous act going right. into so you pick it. So it up there's right no, where you left. There's, yeah. there's been no change in the material. That's it's right. just Tableau there vivant, for, for whether, it's a, whether it's a restroom right. break or to keep up business I, at the I uh, can at imagine the how that could work as well, right. having a break. No, I think it, and, and uh, uh, even though we do see, you know, the occasional uh, uh, patron get up and go to the restroom, uh, for the most part, most people say, wow, it just flew by. Well, that's absolutely right. And you sit there getting so involved in the story that before you know it, it's ending. You say, I want it to go on. It's, yeah. you know, it, it has me so, it's like you know, reading a good book. You don't want to put it down. Indeed. You I just want to go to the next chapter, the next chapter. I, it has that feel to it because the tension builds as you're going through it between the two of you, your, your, your characters. And when, yeah. and when it's not broken, when it's unbroken, it's really much more effective. We're yeah. all obviously very aware of the length of time we're out there. Uh, the, the bathrooms, I should uh, <laughs> mention, a <are> non-working bathroom. <laughs> the so, one on, on stage. stage. Yes, <laughs> exactly. On stage. So, no, yeah, exactly on stage. And boy, yes. when they But we're very careful to yes, make about, sure. Yes, yeah. uh, we've, all of us have been walking around at, uh, uh, before, uh, right before a curtain with a cup of coffee, and, and the, your fellow actor go, you sure you want to talk about that right now? <laughs> it's a long time. Be a, it's <laughs> an, an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. Now, you've had a great opportunity with this show, which, as we talked about institutional theater, you don't always have. Many of those shows are limited runs. Yes. You've played this already much longer oh, than you yes. thought you were going to have the opportunity to Indeed. when you first committed to it. A lot longer. I and think the subscription was finished on December 19th, wasn't it? I think so. I think that's right. It's been extended boy, several you know, times. You yeah. had a long oh, run yeah. in Three, Contact. Four. You know, mm-hmm. Philip, you had the great run in, in Copenhagen most recently. What's What happens to the show during a long run? What Do you continue to find no things? I know you talked about ad-libs, but but are people seeing an appreciably different show now than they would have seen when this began previously? I don't think so. No, not fundamentally, no. No, I don't think it's fundamentally different. I think one of the things we do in rehearsals, and I think it was one of the things that was done particularly well with this group and by the director, is that we agreed on the story we were going to tell. Mm -hmm. One of the things the director did was he, 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 uh, Scott, put up a big sheet of brown paper in the rehearsal hall, and we took down all the facts of the trial as they came out, because it comes off... The audience learns it piecemeal, but we had to agree on what we'd seen collectively. Um, and so with that, with discussing what we thought happened with the, the the trial and the journey of the play, we really did agree on the story we're all trying to tell. Uh, and even though we find small variations, like in jazz, you know, there's mm-hmm. give and take. Yeah, absolutely. We still – we have the, the basic theme, the basic melody – it remains the same. The rhythm, it, right. we, we have agreed on this story. And, and dramaturgically, of course, this is a play that tells you exactly what's going on. There's no Indeed. subtext. Every fact you need to know is there. There's not metaphor. There's not imagery. It is everyday language. And in retrospect, I think uh, uh, Scott Ellis is to be uh, applauded for having us do it. We spent the first week and a half... Uh, Absolutely. Discussing the play in great detail. Mm-hmm. We virtually didn't get up from the seats. Well, I mean, we, we did some kind of Mind exercises and mm-hmm. we moved around. But essentially, we were just talking about the play. So that when we finished and we started to move around, we were, as uh, Boyd mentioned, we were all in total agreement about where we were going. Mm. And that was great help. Well, speaking of going, you're, you're, uh, Phil, you're concluding your jury service this weekend. Yes. <laughs> playing your final performances. Then you go on uh, No, it's the 30th. Right, right, which will be Sunday. Oh, I beg your pardon. Right, right. yeah. And 
you're going on to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as yes. a grandfather. Do you sing in that show? Mm, I think, yes. <laughs> are, you, are you taking voice lessons no. now, getting ready for it? I don't think it requires that kind of singing. I just, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to sound. We're hoping to have 11 guys out there just <laughs> <laughs> laughing and pointing if he does yeah. sing. That's what we're <laughs> yeah. And Boyd, you're still on jury duty, though. I'm still on jury duty, having a, a great time. And uh, uh, we've been so blessed with... Uh, with to have Phil and uh, he'd had he was going into Chitty Chitty Bang Bang long before we started uh, Twelve Angry Men, but it, uh, Robert Foxworth is taking over for him yes. starting on the Tuesday. Actor. Yeah, Very wonderful actor is going to be great. And Byron Jennings and is Byron, going in yes. for Larry Brigman. Larry is going Brigman to do the new uh, yes. David Mamet play down at the Atlantic. I'm leaving reluctantly. I must be quite honest. Uh, well, I, I, obviously, when you started, you didn't expect it to run this long. No, certainly not. No, he was expected to have a quite a sizable break indeed, before he started yeah, rehearsing. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, I, you know, the reasons for leaving are obviously uh, the show is going to be pretty good. It's mainly financial, though, because they do pay you extremely well. But I really am going to miss it. Right, <laughs> I'm right. going to miss it. That's, well, that's from the way the two of you are talking, it sounds like you're having a great deal of fun we yourselves. Are, we are. It's, yeah. uh, there's it's, a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of laughter backstage, and but and it's not only that. We all like each other. Yeah, yeah, that's good. There's not a. There's not a bad apple in this whole crew, no. and that's very rare. It to is find. rare. Well, as of the last time I looked, the show has been extended through April 3rd. That's correct. I should mention at the American Airlines Theater. And you're yeah. actually moving next door. Yes. He's right. going the, next door. The, the theater for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is yeah. right next door we to where you are We keep saying this. You'll be over here more than you <laughs> <is. laughs> During intermission, you'll run over in, in the back of the house and watch Boyd up on stage. Right? I'm going to resent the fact that they'll be going home while I'm still going on in the third <laughs> act or whatever. Yeah, yeah you'll be. Yes, yeah, so one of the I – have, we have to say this. That one of the great things about the show is that we're, we're done – by quarter of uh, ten, because mm-hmm. it is because there is no intermission. We go and it goes straight through, and we all we all go on stage at the same time. We all exit <laughs> at the same time. It's it's as we've said a number of times is that it's a, an hour and forty minute scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's very concentrated while you're out there, and then it's over. Mm. Which is uh, it's and we're all in the same boat from beginning to end. Yeah. Which is. Uh, I suppose that's a solidifying factor. You know, that's really, really I, you know, it, it, I've never been in a show that felt as much of an ensemble. No, have I? I I'm just one. having the best time. This is one of my favorite experiences in the theater. Well, spoken by juror number three, Philip Bosco, and juror number eight, Boyd Gaines. Thanks so much for being with us today. Great, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. For the American Theater Wing, I'm Howard Sherman reminding you that the Downstage Center programs and all of the educational and media work of the American Theater Wing is available as free on-demand audio and video from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM Satellite Radio, I'm John Von Susten for Downstage Center. That's a wrap, and thank you.